0: In the conspiracy war, has the CIA switched sides? What would you do if a man walked up to you in the middle of the street and said, Can I throw your blood in the Mariana Trench? And then finally we take a look at a young man who was enjoying a bright sunny day with his two buddies, sitting on a lawn across the street from a library. Everything was just peachy keen until a plane shot a space beam and turned into a demon, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio, I'm your host Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day, hope you guys are having a great day too, hope you guys are having tons of fun, and guys, before we get started here, I wanted to announce that yes, this Thursday, it will be November 25th. And at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will do our Dead Rabbit Radio Thanksgiving live stream special. We're going to have me. (laughs) I can't promise any fun guests because I've never had a guest on the show, but it'll be me and you. You are the fun guest. And be here. We're going to do a live chat on YouTube. So if you got questions, you got comments, be there. And we'll hang out as a fluffle on Thanksgiving, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We will probably, I'm imagining an hour minimum, maybe two, but definitely try to get there in that first hour because I can't guarantee a second one. A lot of times I'm pooped out within that first hour, but yes, Thanksgiving, November 25th, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us for the Dead Rabbit Radio Thanksgiving live stream special on YouTube. First off, let's go ahead and introduce today's Patreon. One of our newest Patreon supporters walking into Dead Rabbit Command with a strut. Give it up for Luis Lopez. Everyone give him a round of applause. Is that how you pronounce his name? I'm pretty sure. Luis, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You know what else would help out a lot? When you send your name, when you support the show, tell me how to pronounce your name. But Luis, or Luis, maybe? A Mr. Lopez, we'll call you now. Lewis, we're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to the deep state. (laughs) So Washington, D.C., pretty much anywhere Washington, D.C. or Washington, D.C. adjacent, the place is full of deep state agents. Now, back in my day... Because I'm much older, I'm 45 years old, but I've been into this conspiracy theory stuff since I was 12. Back in my day, they were called the shadow government. It was what conspiracy theorists believed were the people who were running the country. And now the term has evolved to deep state, lifelong. Pe- I would talk about these guys quite often on the show, but it's people who have been in their job for 20, 30 years. They've been working in D.C. longer than any president, longer than any senator, and they have vested interests in keeping their job the same, and they have all of these contacts. So you really wonder, who controls the power in cities like D.C.? Is it the elected officials, or is it the people who have worked there for decades? And have these contacts and have this power, right? They're doing favors for each other and they're wielding this power. So the deep state, the shadow government, there's always this idea that they are the ones secretly pulling the strings. It's no one you can ever vote out. And it is is hard to fire someone from a government job anyways. So once they're in, they're in. And we've always kind of seen this interplay. When you have the deep state, you have like accountants, things like that. You have people, maybe, I don't know, marketing executives. Vote more. I don't know. I don't know if you need a marketing executive to run a government, but I'm sure you do. But you definitely have to have like statisticians and all this stuff. Maybe I don't know what the point is. Is that there's a bunch of people that you don't even know who are probably actually forming these cabals to control the government? Not Illuminati stuff, not this highfalutin reptilian stuff. Just people who have been working the same job longer than some of us have been alive. They wield in tremendous political power. And imagine, you know, when you're at work, that one person you don't really like who's like a total busybody and always ratting you out to the boss just because you stole, just because you embezzled some money. Oh, you narc. And you know that one person you don't like who you also suspect is breaking into the fridge and eating your lunch when you're not around? Um, imagine, imagine people like that. Imagine the Matilda of your office wielding this power behind the scenes. Because that's what it is. It's lifelong bureaucrats. But you've always had this breakdown that you have these nerds. Right? You have all I'm. I'm in so much trouble with the IRS. I can insult them all day long. So anyway, you, know, you have those dorks over there in the IRS, just counting money and stuff and hounding me and sending me letter after letter. And then you have like the sexy ones, the sexy members of the deep state, which would be FBI, CIA, NSA, Homeland Security. they're a bunch of dorks too. They're new to the game, right? They don't have the legacy of the CIA. The FBI is <laughs> a very bloody and cruel legacy. And so that's really the thrust of this matter today, because it's always been, you have the sexy members of the deep state, FBI, CIA, and for the longest time, it was the FBI and the CIA was on the side of, like, a a conservative, uh, right-wing, people used to, people on the right-wing used to like the FBI, is what I'm trying to say, they used to support law enforcement. And they used to support the CIA because you got to fight those commies over in Guam. You got to do all this stuff. You got, yeah, we had to go to Vietnam and CIA. That's what, that's how I grew up, was that in right wing circles, because again, I was researching this conspiracy stuff for decades. We're talking back like in 88. I really got into it. The right wing supported the CIA's actions in the Iran Contra scandal. Oliver North was a right wing hero, right? Conservative hero. And then it switched. It switched really, really quickly. And I remember watching this all unfold when the right wing stopped loving the FBI and then the left wing took them in. It's super weird to watch. And that was down to Ruby Ridge and Waco, the siege at Waco. Both of those things were seen as assaults on Right-wing beliefs. And that that that's that was not Reaganomics that they were they were going after. But you know, Ruby Ridge was a militia group. Uh, Waco was you know as far as they go, we weren't a cult. That we were just you know we were just collecting weapons and all hiding out in this compound. There's a lot of stuff about Waco, whether or not any of those allegations are true, and all that stuff. But that is when I remember very vividly watching this pivot away from. Don't worry, the FBI, the CIA is on our side. Our sides, you know, that would be like the the right-wing militias used to believe that. But after Waco and after Ruby Ridge, that completely changed. Ruby Ridge was like a family was gunned down by the FBI up in the woods, and there was this shootout. Again, I'm oversimplifying these things. And so for the longest time, really since the mid-90s, we've started to see this shift where... The left wing began to bring, to to trust the, you guys, you just got to trust the FBI. Like these guys, what? The FBI is the one reporting the stuff. I'm just the journalist reporting the story. Don't you guys trust the FBI? I thought you guys were patriots. We started to see that shift, which was also incredibly weird for me because the FBI and the CIA in the 60s and really from the 60s till now, I believe, but uh, they really made a strong push to shut down peace movements. They made a strong push to shut down black nationalist movements. They directly went after the Black Panthers in any group. The FBI went after any group that had any, any hint of like racial solidarity. They shut it down, and CIA's coming in right behind them with boxes full of cocaine, showing people how to make crack. And it is so weird, the ping pong, that because I remember when I was growing up, The right really loved the FBI because they took care of those insurrectionist groups. And the left are like, no, they're a bunch of traitors. I can't believe they shut down all this peace movement stuff. And then I watched that needle turn. And it went from them being on the right, an ally to the right, to now enemy of the right. They'll come in and they'll kick your door down and they'll take all your guns and stuff like that. And so the left took them back in. you have them being embraced by the left side more than the right side nowadays. And so that that whole history lesson, that whole ramble going on. Something interesting. I was reading Real Raw News the other day. (laughs) The website. I I talk about that website as if it's even remotely legitimate. It's pure fiction, but I love going to it. It's something I do basically on Saturday night when I'm done with all my serious research. I wonder what this lunatic's writing today. He has an article out today, and this is important because Real Raw News is really one of the leading voices in this conspiracy theory culture. It's so bizarre. I kind of predicted it, but I'm starting to see more of their stuff popping up all over the place. And he he constantly is doing GoFundMes, and he's making $12,000 like a month just on the GoFundMes. That doesn't include the advertising or anything else on his website. So it's insane. Maybe every two months, but... It's insane how much money he's pulling in. He recently had an article that was titled, caught my eye, among all the other stuff about Chelsea Clinton's clone being killed in Guantanamo Bay or whatever other nonsense, he had this headline, Deep State CIA Spooks Defecting to White Hats? And this article stated that a uh, deep pretty much what that line said. So a spook is a slang term for a spy. Basically, we're having members of the CIA leave the corrupt political machine and they're writing letters. This happened on November 10th. <laughs> he made it up on November 10th is a better way to put this, but 34 CIA field agents wrote letters to Governor Greg Abbott, um, Ron DeSantis, and Kristen Nome. those are Republican governors, apologizing for a bunch of stuff that if I told you, the channel would get demonetized and probably yanked. You know, just the, the normal stuff. They're apologizing. Oh, we're so sorry that we stole those elections. Um, And then we, we're sorry we're about to steal the one in 2024. Um, But anyways, we're sorry that we're going to do that. So please, Republican governors, will you have our backs? We want to join your side. We want to reject the darkness. And then then it goes off into this whole anti-vax thing. And again, I'm not going there. The point is, the point is, is these 34 fictional CIA agents have had it. They want to leave this group. And then apparently another six are off the grid. Another six CIA agents. They just, no one knows where they're at. So, I mean, I don't know if that's supposed to sound ominous or they're just at like getting a, Breadstick at Sabaro at the mall. I don't know. Like, that's, that's, I don't know if I'm supposed to be watching out for six rogue CIA agents. But yeah, and then they go, a lot of others want to join us, but they uh, are too scared. They're scared that they'll lose their jobs if they sign this letter. But don't worry, Republican governors. We, the CIA, has your back. This is super important. As dumb as this is, as made up and fictional as this is, this is super important because I believe that this is signifying the shift back. It's been one of the weirdest things because you have right... And I keep using the terms right-wing and left-wing, and I know there's a lot of blurring in the middle. And I'm just trying to make it as succinct as possible. I could go on with all these other political ideologies. But when you have right-wing or white right-leaning people... They tend to be more law and order, right? So it's weird that for the past thirty years they have distrusted the FBI and the CIA. They're like, "Oh, local <laughs> local law enforcement, I'm totally behind," but federal law enforcement. And I know that there are people who do feel that way, states' rights and all that stuff. But it's been a weird divide, especially because. So I think honestly that this is a shift back. This is a shift back. And I think in the next two or three years, we will start to see federal law enforcement be re-embraced by more conservatives and start to be lambasted by the liberals. And this is the first step of that. I think we're actually seeing a sea change in that movement. It makes sense because I've seen it twice already. Nothing is permanent in life. Nothing's permanent in life, especially conspiracy theories. So I, I, you know, real raw news. As much as they make stuff up, it I'll I'll tell you this. Like I have had my encounters. I've talked talked to you guys. I've had my encounters with the FBI. I've had my encounter CIA. CIA, you guys owe me three thousand dollars. I know I've said enough words to pop up on some carnivore computer that this podcast is actually being listened to. You guys owe me three thousand dollars. You know why you owe me three thousand dollars? they interfered in some business i was doing but that's it i've never really had any close contact with a cia operative at least that i know but i do believe real raw news is a bigger has a wider reach than this show and i do believe when shows get a certain level you do get contacted by cia fbi whatever group may be in your area hopefully hopefully not stasi or something like that kgb but i think that this is I think that someone reached out. I think someone reached out, and I think we're going to start seeing a push for the FBI and for the CAA to be embraced by the conservatives. They're going to make the push themselves, and the movement will take them back. I really, really believe that, and I—I I could be wrong, right? Because <laughs> real Raw news publishes articles about uh, Mike Pence and his gay. Filipino lover hiding out in a hotel in Italy. And then they both got shopped. That, that was an actual art. That was an actual article. I didn't cover it on the show because it was too absurd. But Mike Pence got shot in the belly. Don't worry. He was fine until they took him to Guantanamo Bay and hung him. There was no, I think his Filipino lover was killed on the scene, but Navy SEALs did that. (laughs) They didn't didn't actually do that, but that's the news story. But I do think, I think this is a sea change. And I found it very, very odd, as Real Raw News is so anti-Deep State, CIA, FBI, NSA, throughout their... Very, very interesting that they ran this article. Even giving a glimmer of hope to his readers that law enforcement, federal law enforcement, is back on their side. Fascinating. Nothing happens by accident. If you are a conspiracy theorist, there's a reason this article was published. And Louis, Louis, he's like, Jason, please. Just, I think it's Louis. So we we'll, we'll called you Louis the first time. Louis, I'm going to go ahead. We got to get out of here because I just exposed the CIA's operation. Let's go ahead and toss the keys to the dead rabbit dreadnought, our battleship. We are leaving behind Washington, D.C. We're headed all the way out to the Mariana Trench. <laughs> 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 just about- does the battleship have a giant whistle on it? Is, is it like a carnival cruise line? Is there like the captain of the battleship being like, "Land ahoy over there, look out!" And then they shoot some boats. They're they're coming over this way. And then, bum, bum, so then like other boats knows that he's coming. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen a camouflage boat though? I thought it was a joke. I figured it's just a boat you paint it blue, right? Have you ever seen a camouflage boat? It's the weirdest thing. I guess I can't say that. I guess I can't say that because we talk about Bigfoot, we talk about UFOs and all sorts of craziness. A camouflage battleship, camouflage boat, warship. You think it's painted like waves? <laughs> you think it's a picture of maybe the Little Mermaid swimming? So if you're flying a plane overhead, you just think, "Oh, look at it, it's aerial." How come she's 80 feet long? No. It's painted in zigzags and diagonals because when you're, if a plane's coming overhead, right, you're kind of boned anyways, but when you're watching a boat, when two boats are getting ready to fight each other, you're ha- you constantly looking at which direction it's headed in and, like, the angle. And whether or not, like, the, whether or not the captain's blowing the whistle, warn, warn, they'll, like, fire towards the horn. But so they have all these diagonals and zigzags painted onto the ship. So by looking at the ship, you cannot tell which direction it's turning. Now I've, what's weird is that I've seen photographs of camouflage boats and I'm like, oh, it's going straight. Like, I can totally tell, but I can imagine they should hire me as a naval commander, but I imagine that if you're on another boat and you're trying to be like, what direction's he going in? And they're like 90 stern things, 90 stern things. And then like, you wouldn't know that he's really like port. <laughs> like, oh, I should have said 90 port things, but it's too late. You're being eaten by a shark. So yes, that is a handy fact. Now, now I have to find some links proving that. There's a bunch of naval officers shaking their head right now. They're like, that's half true. But But, but thanks for listening to the podcast anyways. Luis, I'm going to go ahead and direct you in this Dead Rabbit battleship, the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought. We are headed out, we're right here actually now, the Mariana Trench. So the Mariana Trench, which I will will do my best not to refer to as the Marinara Trench, as I famously have on this this show before, this podcast before. I practiced not doing that. The Mariana Trench. And it's November 30th, 2013, and right now there's a dude, his name is Kristen Von Hornsleth. He's an artist. And he paints and stuff like that. But then he also has these, wha- he's like a conceptual artist thing. It's like a stand-up comedian who has stage fright. So they go, I'm just going to do wacky stuff around the world, and maybe people will pay attention to me. Um, one of them was this. This is kind of, so if you go to his Wikipedia page, there's two things about him. There's two things about him. If you go to his Instagram page, saw there's a bunch of beautiful artwork. He's really talented. But when you go to his Wikipedia page, there's two articles about him. One of them is him building a giant sculpture full of human blood, little samples of human blood on pieces of cloth, that he's going to drop into the Mariana Trench so in the future, uh, people in there could be cloned. That's why he spent too much... He wants to combine science and art, and he wanted to say, you know, they may dig it out in 500 years, they may dig it out in 100,000 years, but there's a chance that by the time they're able to get this out from the bottom of the Mariana Trench... Cloning technology will be available. So he went around the world and asked for samples and said, how would you like to live forever? It's just kind of an interesting thought experiment. And he wants to put up a ton of these, 10 on land. He wants to put four more in the ocean, but there's only been one put down so far in 2013. And it was really the main one going into the Mariana Trench. The other ones were basically directions to the Mariana Trench. Just in case 10,000 years from now, no one knows there's something down there. That was this experiment. The other, so that's cool, right? That is a cool blending of science and art. His other experiment, his other experiment got him kicked out of a country. The other experiment really went south. He thought it would be really cool if he went to a destitute village in the middle of Africa and said, if, if, I mean, this is like something, remember when porn ads, remember when porn websites, Used to pay people to get their name tattooed on their head. So, right now, there's probably some guy walking around with dog fart tattooed on his forehead. That's he wanted to do that, but but it had nothing to do with dog fart. He wanted he went to this impoverished African village and he said, If you change your name, if you go to your local courthouse and legally change your name to Hornsleth, change it to my last name. Nothing else. Can't be Mr. Hornsleth. Can't be Joey Hornsleth. Has to be Hornsleth. I will give you an animal. (laughs) What? To be specific, he'll give him livestock. It's not like someone's going to change his name. It's like, here, you get a horned toad. What? You get a squirrel. He gave away goats and pigs. And people were doing this. People were like, well, you know, my name is part of my family lineage. What would be the purpose of one pig, too? Because then you get a pig, and then it like grows old, and then you're like, oh, man. And then you're <laughs> like, I should have eaten it, but instead I had too much fun riding it around the village. If you have one pig, or you get it and you eat it, you're like, oh, right, I traded my name away for basically, like, how many meals can you get out of a pig? Not many, right? If you figure it, I heard that, I've heard that every pig we've eaten, like every piece of pork you've ever eaten, came from a pig younger than six months. Although I I have a friend, and she's a vegetarian, she's also told me other vegetarian trivia, quote-unquote trivia, that turned out not to be true. You know, I used to work in a mortuary, and one day Sabine told me that the bodies of vegetarians, when they're rotting or when they're being burned in the crematory, they smell better than the body of a meat eater. And she said that to me... And I was just kind of sitting there, I was eating dinner, this conversation, I'll have a dinner, I was eating dinner, and I thought about it, and I go, that's not true, that's not true. No, I, I used to work in a mortuary, there's a hundred reasons why that's not true. And then, she was just, we were sitting there, and I just kind of let it sit for a while, <laughs> let it sit for a while, like a stinky fart, like a dog fart. And then I said, hey, um, that's not true. I go, her original statement was, when you cremate a vegetarian's body, it smells better. And I go, I've been around a lot of bodies. I used to work in a crematory, specifically. I used the word mortuary, but we were burning bodies. You'd never smell them. you never smell them. If you did, if you did, you'd be constantly thrown up. A burning human body is, is a horrible smell. Burning flesh is something uncanny valley about it. Like, it drives you away from the scene. But, yeah, I go, that's not true. And I said and then she goes, "Well, maybe it's in a morgue." And I go, "No, that's not true either." And again, I'll I'll tell you why. You would never be able to know that information about it unless someone specifically told you that's my niece, she was a vegetarian, and she, that was she smelled like someone just put a Glade plug-in into her navel. You wouldn't know. And you would need such a huge sample size. I go, "That just doesn't make sense." And then I looked it up and <laughs> she didn't believe me, she didn't believe my lifetime experience. I looked it up, it turns out not to be true as well. But the point is, is that he, what were we talking about? <laughs> we talking about eating pigs? It doesn't matter. I don't know if you really eat every pig you've eaten, has been younger than six months. But what are you going to do with one pig? He goes to this village and he has, these people change their names. And people are doing it and they're getting pigs or goats. Pig or a goat. And then the local the local government found out about this, and they said that that's that's so slimy, dude. What? No, I'm just trying to help people out, man. I'm trying to like do this art thing, and they're like, "What's the message?" And he's like, "Uh, <laughs> he's a pig under each arm." He's like, uh, "I don't know." It came off as tacky because you have this guy who's wealthy, not like Sue. We can raise two million dollars to drop a chunk of metal in the water, but he. Is kind of exploiting this town. He could just give them all pigs if he wanted to. Give them purple pigs. Make that your art project. And eventually, this is what I would have done. This shows how honorable I am. I would have been like, dude, I'll totally change my name and gotten a pig and then just said, hey, <laughs> everyone just call me Jason. That was dumb. I just ripped this guy off for a pig. That's what I would do. And maybe that's what everyone else was thinking because eventually everyone stopped using the name Hornsleth. The point is is that now there is a giant sculpture at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. And it's full of human blood. And because of the way it's designed, I'm assuming that it didn't immediately get crushed when it hit the ground. I don't think you'd go down there and find metal spaghetti. But let's assume that everything was done correctly and it's able to withstand the pressure. It's fascinating because by the time a culture became advanced enough to go into the Mariana Trench and pull something out, they would be... I mean, that is, we're, we're past, I would say by the time we can do that, we're flying around the solar system. Because it, it takes more energy, don't, don't fact check this, don't fact check this, but it takes more energy to go to the bottom of the ocean because all that water pressure and pull something up than it takes to go from here to the moon. Now, again, don't fact check me. I'm assuming that once you go uh, the rocket, or the space shuttle, whatever you're using, gets... Yeah, once you get out of Earth's gravity, that's the easy part. Everything else after that's really easy. As long as, as, long as you're an advanced mathematician, you can figure out everything in space. The hardest part is leaving, but the hardest... With going to the ocean, the hardest part is coming back. And going down is no picnic either, right? So by the time we're able to do that... Now, my question is this. I have like a bunch of parts of my body that have fallen out, like teeth and, um, blood. I have some blood, too, saved away. And I've always thought about taking that and putting it in, a like, an airtight box and burying it. I know it's not... <laughs> I know it's not as advanced as what this dude did. And then I was thinking about taking, like, some stuff I've created, like, uh, all my podcast episodes and putting them on a flash drive and throwing that in there and writing a letter. And then maybe, like, taking a rock and writing uh, the letter in Spanish or something like that. And then, like, a bunch of <laughs> bunch of rocks... And put out different alphabets. This is I can barely I can barely speak English. I can barely speak English, but somehow I want to create a Rosetta Stones. I want to have a bunch of little stones that have like the Spanish alphabet, which is also just the English alphabet, but little things above some of the letters, and then then bury the box. So then, 10,000 years from now, when they're building houses or whatever, they're building, like, spaceports or something like that, they'll find this metal box and they'll open it up and it'll have all these rocks in it. And they're like, oh, they're just moving those away. They're like, oh, I know what this is. This is a USB drive. We're from the future. We know about old technology. I don't know why he thought he'd have to carve stuff out on rocks. Anyways, and then they can, like, listen to my podcast in the future. And then there'd be, like, my tooth. I have, like, two teeth and some blood in there. I haven't made the box yet. I just, right now the blood's in my fridge and the teeth are on my bookcase. But then I figure like, what if they uh clone me in the future? Like they like the podcast so much and they like my amazing skills of carving rocks. That technology has been long lost to them. They're like, what? You can write on a rock? Who was this God? And so they teleport me. They don't tell They clone me into the future and I'm like walking around and stuff like that. And I'm teaching them things. They're they're constantly rolling their eyes. They're like, we know that, Jason. I'm like, did you know that bodies? It doesn't matter what you eat. Bodies smell the same when they rot. And they're like, ah, oh, great. So, but then I thought, what if? Let's put on our conspiracy caps. We're gonna have to wrap up the episode like this. We're gonna have to save the magical plane story for tomorrow's episode. Imagine this: if you can be cloned. In the future, I get cloned, uh, say 10,000 years in the future. So I would be the equivalent of a caveman to them. It would be so shocking. They're like, look at his, look look at his rippling muscles and the sparkle in his eye. Those have been wiped out through years of de evolution. We're we're now just a bunch of nerds floating around in float chairs. My first question is, is, where's my soul? Like right now, my soul's in this body. But if I get cloned. Is my soul now divided in two? Does that body have my same soul? Does the soul my theory would be this your soul because it's not really a, it's not really an issue of uh, matter but it's energy or some something we can't really quantify it could be in two places at once. So my soul would be in both bodies at the same time. The full Jason experience would be located in both bodies. I think that would also explain stuff like quantum immortality. Where if there are alternate universes, all of those Jasons share a soul. So if you die in one timeline and you slide into the next, you're not a raving lunatic in the new one. You still have your same soul. You still have your same... Moral code, you still have all of that. So it can be spread out across the multiverse. Why can it be spread out in one universe? So if I'm cloned, that's my soul is also in that clone. But if the multiverse theory is correct, and right now there's an infinite number of Jasons running around doing just totally awesome stuff, They're running around, this is, now I'm probably putting too much into this, but they're running around in the years from 1976 to 2052, or whatever. That would be that that timeline. But if I'm able to get cloned in the year 10,000, now I have a clone, (laughs) now I have... This new me outside of the designated time zone appropriate for Jason Carpenter. Does any of this make sense? Um, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Just buckle in if it doesn't. Here's my. This is my concern. This, this, this is what I'm getting at. And this is why I have not buried the box. And this is why I would not give blood to this uh, horn sleth dude. Maybe if he gave me a pig, it might be a little more tempting. But my fear is this what if i bury the box tomorrow once the box has been buried the game is on and you have to bury it deep enough so it's not like some dog can come around and be like oh i love human blood and dig it up like you bury it deep so you know that they're not going to it's not going to be discovered for a long time i get, i bury it and then i get recloned 100,000 years in the future and that's me that's my soul what if they what what if they what if they beat me up? Like, what if I could tell what if I'm in the future now and they're like, oh yes, we've always wanted to experiment on a caveman. And I'm like, I'm not a caveman, I'm not a caveman, and they start like torturing me or like turning my body into goo would suck. <laughs> that's on that's on my top ten things I don't want to happen while I'm alive is turn into goo. And then because they can clone me, they do all this horrible stuff to my body. And then like a melting and like my organic waste is going into the sewer. Blah, like eyeballs are falling through the sewer grate. And then like as my <laughs> as one eyeball is slowly watching, as I'm slowly, I see another me crawling out of a clone chamber. And then I know that this circle is just gonna keep going. It'll be infinite torture and pain for these sick <laughs> for all those sickos in the future. How do I know this this is legitimately why I will not submit my DNA for a possible clone experiment? Because I don't know how nice they're going to be to me. Because think about it. If you could clone a dinosaur, what would you do? You'd hunt it. You'd clone a T-Rex and you'd blow its brains out and then you'd clone another one. We all know that's 100% what we'd do. Maybe you would clone a brontosaurus and ride that to school or something like that. But then eventually, eventually you're going to watch an episode of Flintstones and get really hungry for some brontosaurus rib and eat it. And then it dies and then it's brought back to life and then you eat it again. And anything else we just hunt. If today we met a human from 10,000 years ago, it would not be like Encino Man. It would be, it would be far, it would be far, far more depressing. They would experiment on him and try to figure out what made him work. Maybe they'd let him walk around for a bit, and like be like, oh, oh, as he's walking through Times Square. But eventually, eventually, the deep state scientists are like, you know, we're taking him back to the lab and cutting his brain open in like 10 minutes, right? And the other one's like, oh yeah, totally. So, I would caution you, if <laughs> this basically episode is saying, if you've ever thought about being cloned in the future, I would caution you, because we assume people in the future are going to be better than we are now. That's a lot of faith in humans. I'm very pro-human. We talk about that a lot on this show. But even I'm a little suspicious of how we're going to treat people from ten thousand years ago. We can barely treat our neighbors decently today. So if you travel ten thousand years in the future, you are not a neighbor. You're not a. You're not even really a human. You're an ancestor. I'm just very, very suspicious of how. I may get treated ten thousand years from now. That might sound like a bizarre, parano- that might sound like a bizarre paranoid belief to have, but I still haven't buried my teeth in my blood. So I mean, I guess maybe that's a good thing. That somewhere out there in the wilderness, there is not a box containing pieces of my own body, a flash drive containing some podcast episodes, and the box itself is very very heavy because it is weighed down with rocks. One for every known human language. There'd only be two. There'd only be two. I do English and Spanish, and then maybe I cling on something like that, just to throw them off, just to throw those nerds in the future off. Luis, I will go ahead and get you, we didn't get you in the Carpenter Copter this episode, and that's something that I always want to give. So stick around, Luis. You are going to be in the Carpenter Copter tomorrow's episode. You get a double header. That's pretty dope.